Well, my name is Simon Peter, and this has been a very long day. To tell you the truth, it's been a very long week. But wow, what a week. We came in to Jerusalem, and huh, the crowds, they were going wild. Children were screaming. We threw down our cloaks into the city we came. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, outraged. By what authority are you doing all these things? Make them stop. By what authority? This is Jesus. The Messiah coming into Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Exciting times indeed. Well, everyone else, of course, is in the city as well. And uh, when Jesus turned to us on the day of the Passover and said, go and make preparations. You, Peter and John. Outward, oh, it's no problem, master, we've got this covered. Inside, are you kidding? Everyone is making preparations. This is the past that shouldn't we have been doing something about this before now? But we went in because he had further instructions. Said, you're gonna go in and out of all the people there, there's gonna be a guy with a water jar. And okay, that's kind of unusual. That's not the sort of manly thing you see most guys doing in Jerusalem. And there he was, and we followed him, and sure enough, large upper room. And come to think of it, you know, this isn't the first time that something like this has been done. A few days ago, in fact, Jesus turned to two of his disciples and said, go in and get me something to ride. It won't be ridden before indeed, and you are going to take it to me, and then we'll bring it back. And so they go, and the owner said, uh, no. And they said, yes. And he said, okay. These things just happen around Jesus. So same thing here. We go, make the preparations and it's going to be the Messiah in Jerusalem at Passover. Now, I know that uh, there are some different ways of celebrating, and you may have different traditions, but as far as I recall, because it was a long day, this is basically how things went for us. First thing you need to know is that the Passover itself is set around uh, this story of the Exodus, and particularly around these particular verses, where the Lord says to the Israelites that he's going to bring them out from the yoke of the Egyptians. He's going to free them from being slaves. He's going to redeem them with an outstretched arm, and he's going to take them to be his own people. And so there are four cups that are used in the course of uh, the Passover service, and they correspond with these things directly. So he's going to bring them out, sanctify them, make them holy from the nations. He's, uh, the cup of deliverance as he frees us, the cup of redemption, and then the cup of restoration, the fulfillment as he takes us to be his people, and he himself is our God. So first of these comes out. And the prayer of uh, sanctification, uh, the chidush comes, and the head of the household were all reclining at this low table, and he, the master, the head, says these words, Baruch Adonai Elohim, Eloheinu Adonai, Borei Peri Hagafen, 
Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine, and you've given us festival days of joy in this feast, unleavened bread. In the time that we remember our deliverance from Egypt, he's gonna bring us out. Well, the food's served at this point, but we're not gonna get to eat any of it. It's gonna be there, and everything there is symbolic. There are a number of elements that have to go into this. There's the unleavened bread, the bread of haste. There's gonna be uh, bitter herbs and greens. Some people want uh, to have something like a horseradish where you can dip uh, the bread into them, but the greens are more traditional. You've got the lettuce, for example, that starts out sweet, but you leave it too long and it becomes bitter. And as then you've got the stewed fruit, uh, which, you know, what's this doing here? But, you know, this is, you bake it long enough and it looks sort of like clay and reminded of the bricks uh, that we were commanded, our ancestors were commanded to make in Egypt. And after that, of course, you've got the, the lamb of the sacrifice itself. So, the head at this point is supposed to wash his hands and then prepare the, uh, the ritual that, that comes after. And it's at this point that the first uh, of mm, the derailments of the evening happen as Jesus gets up and starts taking off his clothes. Oh, all of us, talk about awkward, don't know where to look. It's the master's doing the thing over there without the clothes. And then he gets, wraps a towel around and goes and starts to wash the feet of the disciples. This is not something the master does. Uh, The feet of all things, even to this day, uh, you're traveling around the Middle East, you want to get past the security guards, if they're Semitic at least, you take your extra pair of sandals, put them sole up right there on the top, open the bag, oh no, just stay away, the soles of the feet, unclean. But this is what he does. I don't want any part of it, but he says to me, if you want fellowship with me, I need to do this. All in, I say. That's the washing that happens. All right, well, the, the liturgical practice resumes uh, the tradition with the karpas, the, the dipping of the bitter herbs. And it's a very personal ritual that we have. So you have the, the head uh, and the guest of honor at his right. Uh, they takes the, uh, the greens and dips them in salt water or vinegar and then the, the next pair do, and the next pair all the way around the table. It's, it's not just something that everyone does all together, very personal. Uh, and then the food goes away. You think, this is a very short meal. I just got here, it's been a long day, I'm ready to eat. No, no, goes away. So that there can be the second cup that comes. Well, this is the cup of deliverance, but you gotta wait a long time if you're gonna be delivered because there's lots of talking that goes on. So, uh, first of all, you have the exchange as the youngest, the son, you know, says to his father all these questions about why we do these things on this particular night. Three questions especially. Why the unleavened bread? And why do we have bitter herbs? Could do without that, thank you very much. And what about this roasted meat? Questions are asked. Then you have the recounting by the head of the redemption from Egypt. 
So what does this mean? The head says, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn in Egypt, both man and animal. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. It's like a sign on our hand and a symbol on our forehead that the Lord brought us out. It's personal. It's not just something that happened to them long ago and we remember it and it becomes ours as well. Food comes back. This is great. Uh, but we still can't drink the second. We've got the bitter herb still in our mouth. No drinking of the second cup yet. Instead, we have the head who explains all the elements answering the questions of the sun. So why do we have the unleavened bread? It's the bread of haste. No time for yeast. No time for the rising. We gotta go. Then we have the bitter herbs. Those Egyptians made the lives of our ancestors, our lives in this world, bitter uh, through the hard labor and then the Passover lamb, it's a sacrifice. And as though we personally went out of Egypt saying, the Lord did this for me. Well, this is all well and good. Still haven't drunk that second cup. Instead, we have singing. The first part of the Hallel, the songs of praise, Psalms 113 to 18. And they go something like this. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God, the God of Jacob, the God who turned the rock into a pool, the hard walk into springs of water. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Then we come to the second cup. The prayer of deliverance is made. Ah, blessed are you, king of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And so may the Lord our God, the God of our fathers, cause us to enjoy the feasts that come in peace. And we drink the cup. And then he tells us uh, a little bit of, well, something we don't expect. We're sitting there all together, enjoying the fellowship, and into that, into that peace, into that pool, we have these words dropped. One of you who is eating with me will betray me. Oh, again, awkwardness and various people around say, surely not me. Uh, but again, Jesus says, it is one of my inmost disciples, one of the 12, one who dips bread into the bowl. Okay, well, he's quoting from the Psalms as though, 
one who I trusted, who shared my bread, has lifted up again, his heel against me. And it's with that, that those ominous words, that uh, hard tone that we come to the breaking of the bread itself. Again, so personal. You have the head who then first says the blessing over the bread. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who brings forth bread from the earth, who sanctifies us with your commands. The command, for example, to eat this unleavened bread. And then he tells us what it means. That they're the bread that he breaks with disciples, with us, is his body. Okay, not something we expect. Uh, we've heard something like this before, but it's not as difficult as the stuff he's going to say, but nevertheless, troubling, and again, very personal. Because he, the head, takes the bread with the guest of honor at his right. He breaks it and dips both together into the bitter herbs, the stewed fruit, eats, the, the guest of honor goes to the next person, they break it on and on down the table. And as this is going on, I clearly, wanting an answer to the things that Jesus have said, motion to John, who's leaning back against Jesus and say, tag, ask, who is it? Who's gonna do this? And Jesus responds, he says, it will be the one with whom I dip this piece of bread into the bowl. And he hands it to Judas. Judas is it's all evening. You, you have to see his face, especially when Jesus is washing his feet. But Jesus looks at him and says, what you were about to do, do quickly. And he takes it and he goes out and it is night. I don't know about you, but the act of eating together, hugely important. It's a bonding ritual, especially for us this day in Jerusalem. And moreover, that piece of bread, there's a story about uh, a man who went into the, uh, the tent of the chieftain of a tribe with whom he was at bitter feud. And he was jovial and he told stories and he was charming and the chief at the end took the bread and gave it to him as a special mark of affection and respect. And it's not as though he was initiated as a blood member of the tribe or anything, but oh, later on, when he found out who the guy was, uh, there was no feud to be pursued. You can't break that mark of esteem that you gave. And this is the bread that Jesus gives to Judas. Mm, well, nobody's gonna hurt my master. I am going to keep watch, whatever comes. All right, the meal is then served. Great, we have been waiting for this. It's been kind of odd hitherto, but uh, we talk and we're sh passing things around. It's a celebration, it's the Passover after all. And following it, we have the third cup. This is the cup of redemption. Looking forward ultimately to the, the future redemption and final fulfillment of the kingdom of the Messiah. We have a blessing after the meal. Blessed be our God whose gifts we have partaken by whose goodness we exist. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has redeemed us with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. We drink the cup. This is good. 
fellowship, unity, bonding, except then Jesus talks about what it is that we have drunk. This is the blood of the covenant, he says, which is poured out for many. Okay, the, the body, ah, that was one thing. Ah, that, that was hard enough, but blood, from the earliest times, we have been prohibited. You don't eat the meat with the lifeblood in it. The blood is the life. And now he's calling us to partake. Ah, but then I remember, this is not the first time he said things like this. It was that earlier time where everyone's following him. He's fed the thousands of people, and they, they just want more of him, and he's going to sift them a little bit, I think. And he says much the same thing. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. So it's a test. Oh, yes, a sifting. I see it now. It's, we are going to stay with you well, regardless. I mean, then he asked me, are you going to leave too? And I said, no. You are the one with the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? So too now. It's the same thing. Well, but then we did uh, get into our traditional argument about the hierarchy. We are, after all, going to the, the time where we think all things will be fulfilled. The Messiah is here. It's Passover. It's Jerusalem. And there's a pecking order that clearly needs to be established before the day of day comes. And so we start talking about just who is the one who is closest and who believes and uh, who will serve the most or whatever it is the master wants. We are going to do it better than anybody else. And he stands up and says... Don't you recall what I just did for you in washing one another's, washing your feet? I, your teacher, am setting an example that you wash one another's feet, this act of service. But then he says, but then he says we've been looking forward to this whole time, imagining that with the Messiah, the messianic kingdom, well, there'd be place for us. And indeed, he says, I confer on you a kingdom, just like the Father has conferred one on me, that you will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. Fantastic. And it's with this renewed sense that we go to the fourth cup, the cup of restoration, the cup of fulfillment. There's the blessing again. Blessed are you, creator of the fruit of the vine, for you will take us as your own people. You will be our God, and we will know that you are our God, you who brought us out from the yoke of our oppressor. Oh, indeed, we have been oppressed. But, but there was the thing he said after the third cup, which was, I'm not going to drink again from the vine until the day when I drink it anew, in the kingdom of God. Well, okay, uh, maybe he's gonna wait a few days, he's gonna overcome all things, and then uh, we'll be triumphant, and then we'll have the celebration, and then he will drink the cup. I, I can see why you would want to, to save that a little bit. But, but he's, he's also talked about the, the great messianic age when we're all going to be around the table, and all things will be under his feet. And it is, it is un striking that it's this cup that he is he's waiting for, the cup of consummation. He's waiting for all things to be fulfilled. 
Hmm. Well, it's at this point that's uh, drawing towards the end of the Passover service, we have the singing of the, the second part of the Hillel. As we think about uh, that which we have caused to give praise to God in words like this. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Praise the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done, what the Lord has done. He has chastened me severely, but he's not given me over to death. The stone the builders have rejected has become the capstone. The capstone, the Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. All should be well. We have come to the end of the Passover service. And then Jesus says this. It's the thing that's been troubling me from the start. You will all fall away. And then again, after he had said that about the, the you've got to drink uh, my blood and eat my body before to sift those who are going to follow him will stay fast, he also said this other thing. I recall when the disciples said, oh, this is a hard teaching. I can understand. Jesus says, does this offend you? Ah, same word there. Does this cause you to stumble? Scandalizo, he said. Am I scandalizing you? You're going to fall away? No, we're going to stay the course. Oh, so maybe this is another test. He's sifting us here. Ah, oh, but then he said the quotation, which I knew was a quotation because he says, as it is written. Okay, so uh, this, was, this was one I had to look up. It's going back, one of those minor prophets. And Jesus keeps saying, when I quote something, the whole context is important. So this is one of those things that starts out, well, pretty good. It's Zechariah, I think. He's, he's saying, I'm going to pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. That's good. And then they're going to look for me, the one they've pierced. Uh, yeah, and they're going to mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly. Oh, I don't know, but that sounds bad. But uh, then uh, a fountain's going to be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. That's ah, got to be good. 
then you get this line about the shepherd that's gonna be struck and the sheep scattered. Mm. Boo, but then, it says the day, the, the day of the Lord. Okay, terrible, mighty, wondrous day is gonna come and the plunder's gonna be divided. That sounds good. And then he's gonna gather all the nations to Jerusalem to fight against it. That sounds bad. And then you've got the Lord going out and fighting against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. That's gonna be good. And he's gonna be king over the whole earth. On that day, there'll be one Lord in his name, the only name, and everything, the common pots to the people themselves will have this written on them. Holy to the Lord. What a day. So, okay, there's, there's gonna be hardship, but there's gonna be glory at the end of it. That's all good. And so, it's appropriate for me, I think, at this time to affirm the fact that just like before and all the way through, I am gonna stay the course. Yeah, well, all these other guys, they may fall away, but I, Jesus, I'm with you. You call me the rock. This is who I am. I'm gonna be with you. Yeah, but then he says, before the cock crows, you're gonna disown me thrice. And I remember, it's not the first time he's looked at me, said some hard things. (laughs) Remember the first time I met him, in fact. Ah, we'd been out all night, we'd Fish, tried to fish, caught nothing, came in, working on our nets. There he is, the crowds all around him, pressing toward him. He can't get a word in edgewise. He looks at me. He chooses me. He says, Simon, I would like to be on your boat. A little bit. I will address the people. Well, yes, I will. Thank you very much. The master on my boat. That's a pretty good day. And I'm still working. It's uh, just easy. The master comes alongside my boat every day, and he's teaching, and he's, it, some of the things, it, they're hard to understand, but the way he delivers them, this is someone special. But then, he turns around and says, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Maybe he doesn't understand because he's not a fisherman, you know, rabbi, learned person, but the fish, you get the water, the fish can see, there's the shadows, you do this in the daytime, what are you thinking? And we just, uh, professionals, thank you very much, worked all night, caught nothing, there ain't no fish out there, thank you very much. But uh, he's honored me, he stepped into my boat, this is really public. I'm going to look like such an idiot. And yet, because you say so, I will let down the nets. <laughs> and so we do. It is as though the sea erupts. Fish are huge fish practically leaping into our boat. The boats start to sink. We uh, call for help. They start to sink. and. In all of this, I look at the master and I realize he knows exactly what I've been thinking all along. Get away from me, Lord, 
for I'm a sinful man. But he looks at me and he says, follow me. We're going to go catch men. And so I say, just as I did then, because you say so, I will. <laughs>